Hey, it's Nelson, one of the hosts for the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. We are super excited to get this started and to bring you our first couple episodes. Since this is our first podcast ever, we wanted to let you know that we are still learning. That being said, we figured out how to make the audio quality better and it drastically improved starting in episode 3. If the audio quality bothers you, we recommend starting with that episode, but we still think the first couple of episodes have some great content. With that being said, let's get this started. Fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to episode number two of Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Dalton. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. Dude, I'm so happy to see you again. It's been a while. It's been so long. Yeah, I mean, we, we got up, we got a snack and another drink. We and got a cookie. I, yep, one more drink. And now we're, uh, we're ready to talk about our top five favorite books, which I am very excited about. I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I kind of knew going in what your top five yeah. board games are. At least like one or two things that would be in there. Yeah. For sure. And we have read so many books. <laughs> so. Yes. And it's like, I know, like, I think I know one. One book that I'm like, I know this one's in there. I still don't know the position, but I know it's in there. Yeah. And the other four, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be surprised. I, I, I am very excited for this episode. I, I think that we will have one book. Yep. That is the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that we're going to have three series. Three series matching? Three series. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, so we'll, see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll it, see. It'll be interesting. Yep, we're going to do our best this time to keep off of spoilers. So kind of Yeah, so the kind of the idea here is to explain this book as if I'm explaining it to a friend, to someone who hasn't read it before, but I'm trying to convince them to read it. That, that level of detail. So if you hear us say a name of a book that you are interested in reading, we're not going to spoil the whole series for you. We're just going to talk about why we like it. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a fantastic point. Just like we're gonna start every episode, we uh, you know, we're here for beer, board games, books, and bourbon. So, Dalton, what are you drinking with today? I am drinking the the good old Wayne Gretzky number ninety nine Canadian whiskey, with hints of uh, English toffee and dark chocolate, which I have yet to find, but the bottle tells me <laughs> <laughs> are are in there. So. <laughs> We're going to continue looking, and we'll, we'll let you know if we find them. But right now, it's mostly just, it's a Canadian whiskey. Canadian whiskeys are smooth. Like, they, they like to drink, and they don't like to, it to be hard for them. So <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're kind like that. That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> what about you? Uh, so I, surprisingly, have another Roke beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one is a oatmeal stout, which is a little bit out of my, you know, comfort zone but mm-hmm. it's what was cold in the fridge at the time <laughs> good reason to pick a beer is yeah. hey i put it in the fridge for dalton whenever he comes over so i i actually i i don't dislike stouts i just i like ipas more but this one is it, i i do really enjoy this stout i mean it, it's yeah. it's pretty smooth it it's kind of deceptive that it's 8.3% APV. It's dangerous. Yeah, yeah it, you got to be careful. A, it's a dangerous so cuz um, if you have like some of the other like like Founders Oatmeal Stouts and some of them like they like really hit you with the stoutness yeah. with the bitter and like that one doesn't quite do that. Yeah. It's smoother. This this one's really smooth. I I'm I've been really impressed with all of Rogue stuff. So yep. um I think they are in uh Michigan. So mm-hmm. um if we're ever up in Michigan, we will stop by. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but absolutely. So 
going into our next segment, we uh, every episode we have one of the hosts ask the other hosts a question. So now it's Dalton's turn to ask me a question, Absolutely. and I'm ready. Yep, yep. And this week, um, this week is a book week, so we have a book themed question, right? So which is your or who I guess is your favorite mentor character? That's a fantastic question, and I have to think. Hmm. I. So I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back to, more, it's not a children's book, right? <laughs> okay. But my favorite mentor character, and explicitly because he is a mentor, I think is Lupin from Harry Potter. Oh, the movies don't do it justice. That's absolutely true. But Harry forms this bond with Professor Lupin in book three. I guess this is a Harry Potter spoiler, but. I don't feel as bad doing Harry Potter spoilers. <laughs> um, so Harry forms this bond with Professor Lupin in book three. And Lupin was, you know, his father's, one of his father's best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lupin kind of works with Harry to help him. And you just kind of see the way that he teaches and the way that he works with the students um, that you don't necessarily see in the movies. And I just think that the relationship there is, is very healthy and good for Harry at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, just from a mentor-esque side, I, I think that he is one of the best mentors and one of the most unique. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he he also, like in terms of uniqueness, he has, like, he's Harry's first real tie to getting to know his parents in, like, a very yeah. personal way. Oh, which, yeah. I, again, I think kind of is missed a little bit in the movies. And, and one of the other things that I think is really interesting is that if, if you mapped out Lupin, if you gave someone Lupin's resume... Right, he's not someone that you necessarily want hanging around your kids. Right, <laughs> I mean, you know, he was part of this rebel force, and he's a werewolf, right? <laughs> right. Which, which there's there's all these underlying tones of racism, kind of in Harry Potter, right. which are which are kind of interesting. Reading them again as an adult, yeah. that I didn't necessarily pick up on, mm-hmm. and so kind of exposing that aspect of everything, um, of you know, how how do you interact with someone that's not exactly like you. I, I just think that that was a J.K. Rowling writes fantastic characters. Yeah, and I, from a mentor's perspective, Professor Lupin, I think is my answer. That's that's a great one. He's also like, and you, I think, know this already, but he's. I list him as my favorite Harry Potter character. When that oh, question yeah. gets asked, oh, like, I I love Lupin. It's the reason that um, that the third is the fav- my favorite in the series. So as a part of this, we always answer our own questions. Um, so for me, I've had a little bit of time to think about this one. I settled on Kelsier. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh yes, and that's a, that's a hard one to talk about without giving um, too many spoilers away. So for for those that don't know, that's from the book Mistborn. the The book does a really great job where there are sort of two main characters. One of them being uh, Kelsier as sort of a, a mentor type character, um, and then the the second character is sort of a character that is that is learning and coming up. Uh, her name's Vin, and she and and so the the book really focuses around their. Um, their relationship and the way and the author Brandon Sanderson who does a lot of work with hard magic systems which is something I'm sure we'll end up talking about a lot oh absolutely (laughs) yeah Um, but the way that he sort of teaches that magic system is through uh, Kelsier's relationship with Vin and he is an imperfect mentor I think that's one of the reasons why I really like him as a character he he has a lot of flaws he has a lot of anger that he's working through he has a lot of uh, things that he asks Vin to do even that are not fair and not um, good, but he also is very intentional about developing her into 
um, someone that is better, specifically better than himself. He, he's able to sort of recognize his own flaws and how to tutor her to not be that way. Um, so I just, he's one of my favorite characters. I really like that relationship a lot. Yeah, that, that's a really, really good answer. I, I like that one a lot. <laughs> but more just Sanderson in general. I mean, oh. he's, he's a great, yeah. he's a great system. He's a great author for people like us to talk about. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's a phenomenal author. He's mm-hmm. done a wide variety of works and he puts them out quickly, which is something that I can appreciate. Praise, praise be. <laughs> and um, dude, world building on another level. Oh man. You know, I was going through this list. I to come up with my top five favorite books. I probably came up with 15. And then, like, I was narrowing it down. It's like, I cannot put four Brandon Sanderson books on this list. That is just... I can't do it. That, that is not something that I'm going to allow myself to do. So, But it um, takes conscious effort. Yeah. So I will... Slight spoiler. There are at least one, yep. possibly more, Sanderson books on my top five list. Um, if... if you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, dude. You ready? Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to start um, top five books. We're going to start from number five each. I'll, I'll kick it off, and we'll work our way up uh, to number one. So I'm really excited to see what, what's on your list. Um, so number five for me, again, same with you. It was, it was a long list to get it narrowed down. I came up with Red Rising. Oh, oh man, yes. I love that book so much. Um, so Red Rising is... Uh, set on Mars to start, and it's the story. It's sort of set in the future, like a dystopian society where uh, society is cut into all these castes, which they identify by color. And there's like genetic differences between each color. Um, and gold is sort of like the elite ruling class, and then it kind of goes down through all the colors until you get to red. And red is like the lowest. They do like all the grunt work, all the stuff that nobody wants to do. And so the main character Darrow is a red who lives on Mars and is mining. And the story is about him kind of coming out from that society and infiltrating the upper society to try and like overthrow the government. And I think one reason why it appeared for me, so I read that book for the first time uh, about a year and a half ago, and I've read it a second time since then. And I picked up so much more going through the second time. I always love a book that'll do that. I love the main character, Darrow. I love the again, kind of the imperfections that he has and the, and the things that he's struggling against and the, the failures that he has. And Red Rising is a part, is the first book of a trilogy. And well, I guess the trilogy set in kind of his time frame. then there's a follow-up series that's being developed now. But it stands alone as its own book. And I was struggling with, with, uh, with this challenge to come up with single books and not series. But I really do think someone could read Red Rising and get to the end of it and feel satisfied with that book and not have to read more into the series. That was one reason it made it on the list for me. Uh, but he has elements of characters that I that I like, that I respect from other series, um, but with an, a level of, I guess, ferocity and like uh, determination that I don't see in a lot of characters because I can see, be seen as a character flaw, especially a book that's told from the first person. Fantastic book. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have not reread it since... Mm-hmm. So Dalton and I read books pretty much at the same time, at yep. the same rate. So um, I have not had the chance to reread Red Rising. It is definitely on the to-do list. But I, I just love that book. It feels like almost a grown-up Hunger Games type. It does, yes. Yeah. And yeah, if you like books that are in that realm, then this one definitely fits that. But you're right, in an, in an adult way, that there's more violence, there's characters die. It has the Game of Thrones feeling that like where you don't really know that a character is safe. And the book is told from the first person, 
And I always like books that do that because when a book is told in the past tense, it gives you the feeling that the narrator is safe because he's telling you the story from the future. And so this book makes you feel the intensity of the moment because he's saying, he's speaking in the first person and in the present tense. That's really interesting. I, yeah. I had never actually thought about that, that you do feel like characters are safe and you almost can kind of give tone of how they're talking about other characters yes. if they're safe as well. Yes. That, that is really interesting. Yeah. Something that I would like to explore at some point in our podcast career is different types of narration. Yes. Um, I think that would be a very interesting because you look at, you know, what you just talked about, the first person narration, the, the yeah. present tense mm -hmm. or the imperfect narrator or there's mm -hmm. so many of them out there. And yeah. I think that, you know, we can pull from the fantasy sci-fi genre to build almost like a, a range of characters and how that affects the story. I think that would be... Yeah, I would do a little bit of learning there too. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's like I recognize it when it's told, but I would love to kind of know the the feeling of it. And since we're talking about narration, um, that audiobook, Tim Gerard Reynolds, is like one of my favorites. He has He's Irish and he has this amazing yeah. accent. And we've, we've listened to a couple books by him and he's just he's just really, really, really good. Yeah, and the, uh, the Reaper song. Yes, um, they record a song they, for the audiobook. They recorded a song for the audiobook and when we're when Dalton and I are playing board games or whatever, we'll probably have music on in the background. And every once in a while, I'll drop I'll drop in the Reaper song, which kind of just kills the mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like when it came on the first time, absolute chills. Yes, there are there are a few times where that happens in audiobooks, but for me, that was like a stop what you're doing. Yeah, absolute it, it chills was, moment. It was a fantastic book. So that was Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Yes, um, and also all of these will be. Uh, listed on our show notes on the website. All right, so that's my number five. We're going to have to get a little faster if we're yeah. going to keep moving through these. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> so number five for me is A Storm of Swords from wow. the Song of Fire and Ice trilogy, or not trilogy, uh, <laughs> Song of Fire and Ice <laughs> uh, series by George R. R. Martin, which most people probably know it, know it as a Game of Thrones. I, I this is this is the one I changed last night. So okay. Okay. Um, I, I originally had a Game of Thrones, which is the first book of the series, yeah. where A Storm of Swords is the third book of the series. I, I originally had the Game of Thrones book because it introduces the series, it introduces all the characters in but A Storm of Swords is told from all of my favorite characters. So one of the more interesting things I think about Game of Thrones is that going back to the narration point that we made earlier is that Every chapter is told from a different character's point of view. Yes. And so it, it, it gives you this interesting way of viewing the world. And you get to see how, you know, the pirate sees it versus the king. It kind of helps you visualize this world better. So A Storm of Swords kind of, you know, the points of views that you see are Sir Davos, who is my yes. favorite character in A Game of Thrones. John, Danny, Jamie Lannister, Tyrion Lannister. Yep. And so, I mean, it's just a solid book. Um, the Red Wedding's in that, um, which is, mm -hmm. I think, when... No, very famous scene, yeah. Very famous scene, and it kind of turns the series. It does, I think, yeah. I think that's when... Big turning point, yeah. There, there are turning points of series, which would be another interesting podcast to Ooh, that would go be. through. Because mm -hmm. there's, there's always the turning point of the book. But, like, where's that turning point of the series? Like, in Harry Potter, it's when... Mm -hmm. uh, he touches the port key in the fourth book, and you're yeah. like, this is no longer a children's book. <laughs> right? Like, you, you are going through, it's like... Yep. Kill the spare. It's just like, that is so blunt and that is so just like there. Yes. That is, it's like, it's the turning point of the series. So I think mm. A Storm of Swords does that. Mm. It also, leading into the fourth book, the fourth book was a little bit rough for me um, because it yep. talked from all the points of narration that I wasn't super interested in. Yep. Um, 
But one one thing that I do really appreciate about George R. R. Martin is his ability to take a character that you hate and turn him into a character that you love and oh vice gosh, versa. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the the And vice versa is key And vice here. versa. Because not a lot of people can do that. Yes. So Jamie Lannister, yep. you, you start out hating him because he's the one who pushes the little kid out of the mm-hmm. the window. Yeah. Um, this is like right at the beginning, so I don't feel like there's any Yeah, that's not spoilers. a spoiler. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but like the way that, you know, he kind of morphs into almost one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. towards, you know, the mid to end of the series. Right. And that writing, you have to be very, very talented in mm-hmm. order to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all number that is four. A great, that is a great choice. And I am really excited that those were our number fives because both of those oh, are fantastic yeah. books. I, I, I narrowed down to a list of 15. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number four for me, The Martian. Oh, man. I, oh, that was on my list of 15. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely, I love The Martian. So The Martian is a story about uh, Mark Watney, who's an astronaut who's been um, put on Mars with a with a group of other astronauts, and they're, they're intending to stay there for like a month or something. Um, and then something goes wrong on the mission, and he ends up being abandoned there. And the story is about him trying to survive. Andy, I think it's Andy Weir, or Andy yes. Weir. Okay, yes. Andy Weir. Um, and he... I've only read two things by him. I've read The Martian, and then I read a short story by him, which was also fascinating. I think it's The Egg is what it is. So that's a really interesting one just to look up if you if you like him. But he is, I think he's in computer science, or right? And so he is, he's a, he is a mechanical, uh, you know, an engineering mind. He's mathematical. He, um, and so the way that that book breaks down, and I remember the first time I read it, I was on a drive. I was driving with my girlfriend at the time, and we, we read the book back and forth to each other. And oh, that book, cool. yeah, and that book is written as a narrative, right? It's written basically as a diary. And so it reads so well. And that's my favorite way to enjoy a book now is it being read to you. And it either read to you by someone by someone else or like in an audiobook type setting, right? And that, that book does that perfectly. She, uh, she taught English. So as an engineer, we were in very, very different worlds. And both of us loved that book because it was so approachable. And it, it approaches... You know, how am I going to survive on, on Mars when, when my crew and my mission goes wrong? And so he's having to do this math about calories and how is he going to grow enough potatoes and how, how much, you know, square footage does that take? And it breaks down all the math. And I get really excited and interested in that. But he breaks it down in such a way that someone who isn't even interested in that can still follow along and find it entertaining. And then he's, you know, he's sarcastic. I think the opening line of the book is, I am so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's entertaining. Yeah. He has that, like, sarcasm. Um, and again, it's narrated. R.C. Bray does that one. Again, one of my favorite. Uh, narrators. He also does the uh, Expeditionary Force series, oh, right? Man, that, and, that yeah. series. And he's just like, he's just so funny. He's like, like kind of like that northeastern, like main accent down. And like, I just, I love the sarcasm. I love the math. I love Mars. I love you know the space aspect. It seems so well. It's it's a great book. So I know your answer, but I just want to ask it for the listeners. Yep. If uh, if I've seen the movie, <laughs> do I need to go ahead and read the book? Because I thought the movie was fantastic. I think they did a really, really good job with the movie. Yep. Which, unfortunately, is not always the case. That's when right. When it comes to making a movie out of the book. That's right. But like, what does the book offer that the movie does not? That's a really good question. And honestly, you're right. They did a really good job with the movie. Like, it's it's a it's a really good movie. It's a really great adaptation of it. I think the things that you get, you get the the math part of it. Like I said, you get the um, kind of his inside his head and him breaking down how he needs to survive and looking at a challenge and saying, I, I can't beat this challenge. I, you know, and then he goes to bed and then he wakes up the next day and he's like, okay, I overreacted. I can beat this. Let's break it down. And he goes piece by piece and you see kind of the, the mythology behind his or methodology behind what he's doing. Um, so you get that part of it. 
Um, and then you get uh, you get a little bit more of the sarcasm. And Mark, yeah. Mark, you know, like Matt Matt Damon did a great job as that character. Honestly, like he really nailed that. Um, but there was so much content to move through in that book in a two-hour movie that they kind of had to cut out, I think, a little bit of his personality. And that really shines in the book. There, It's one of those few audiobooks that has made me actually laugh yeah. while listening to it. Yeah. And what, what you'll what you'll quickly come to realize is that we love audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the Platinum Audible subscriber. Yes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we uh, audiobooks, I think, really add that layer of mm-hmm. plus i drive like two hours a day so yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it really does help number four for me is by brandon sanderson yes um it's words of radiance oh yeah so this is a this is a book from the stormlight archives and it's the second book the first book was so good <laughs> the second book i think almost oh how, how do i say this without any spoilers okay so first off the stormlight archives is a high fantasy novel where the world is set with these spirit-like things called spren and these spren kind of react to people's emotions or the environment so like when there's a big tornado or a big gust of wind wind spren show up and it, it's just a part of everyday life people just take them for granted they're everywhere but the, uh, there, there's a special kind of sprint called honor sprint, and they bond to a human. And when you bond with an honor sprint, you then get these magical powers. And the, the, the series kind of revolves around these these knights that are, are bonded with honor sprint. What I like about the second book is there's a lot of information about kind of the shard blades and the shard plate, yep. which is um, special armor and weapons that, that the main characters get to use in this series. Yep. The first book introduces a lot of the characters and again kind of going back to the game of thrones is each chapter is told by a different character's perspective which is what which is what i like and sanderson does such a good job of fleshing out that world in this book i think but yeah i I really like how he goes into and starts describing the shattered plans which is this awesome Mm. like i almost called it a campaign setting because i've used it in one of my D &D campaigns but this world that i mean it's it's a phenomenal book talking about books other than the first book in a series is hard to do without spoiling anything yep it again going back fantastic magic system fantastic mm. world building and i just that's my number four yeah yeah i i think two two comments on that that is one of the only books where i have listened to the audiobook and then went ahead and bought a physical copy of the book anyway because that book is illustrated and it is gorgeous yes he does an amazing job he 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 uh, hired an actual illustrator and artist to, to, so you get these not only just maps, but like what the uh, creatures look like, what the armor and the weapons look like, what the characters look, and it's just it's on another level. It's it's not it's not like a graphic novel, um, but it is it's on another level in terms of what you typically get from a fantasy series. Yeah, I've been over to your house and I've seen that book and mm-hmm. kind of like Twilight Imperium that we mentioned last episode. It is shelf candy. Like it, it, it just looks candy. good. It does. Number three. This was one I went back and forth on a lot, but it had to make the list, right? Name of the Wind. Oh. <laughs> it had to make the list. And I think if I had to pick one reason why this book, um, so this is Patrick Rothfuss, right? And if there's well, there's one reason why it makes the list, I think every time I've talked to a person about this book, if I've handed the book to them and I've said, read the first page, they always read the book. Yeah. And it grabs you. And it's because, it's not even because of necessarily what is said on the first page. It's because of how it is said. Right, it's almost like you're reading an epic or a poem. I mean, it's his just the, his. He's so colorful with his words. It, he could tell. He could describe a trip to the D 
DMV to me, and I would I would be blessed <laughs> to listen to it. And, and and the whole story is done that way, except for that it has an incredibly fascinating magic system. It has an incredibly fascinating world. It has one of potentially the most interesting and well thought out protagonists of any series out there. Yeah. So. If you have not read that book, again, obviously we're doing our top five favorite books, and we recommend you read them. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because it is the protagonist is telling his story. Yep. So going back to the narration, you know that he is safe. Yes. So two of the three books are out right now. We're still waiting on the third one, and I am eagerly awaiting. Eagerly awaiting. One. Basically, some guy stumbles onto this almost a demigod yep um and he's like he recognizes him and he gets him to tell him his story and that's what the book is told it, yep. it book is so um the protagonist kavoth says that he is going to you know relay his story and it's going to take three days mm-hmm. and so each book is one day yep um which i think kind of breaks that meta almost it, it, or, it does or like that third wall and it's just kind of an interesting way to view literature yeah it's like each one of these books is someone telling me a story in a day it kind of is weird because the audiobook is like 48 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the whole day thing is kind of awkward, but fantastic book. Yeah. And I am very excited to see where he goes with yes. it. Yes. And yeah. eagerly awaiting. That, that, eagerly is, awaiting. that is easily my most anticipated book, yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. Number three for me is the first book in a series this time, Mistborn, The Final Empire. Mistborn... Again, it's another Brandon Sanderson book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the the magic system in this one is a little bit different than anything I've ever seen. So oh, yeah. They they basically consume different types of metal, and mm-hmm. if you are a mistling or a mistborn, you can consume these metals, and each different type of metal gives you a different power. So like you burn pewter, and it gives you physical strength. Mistlings are more common than mistborn. Mistlings can burn one metal. Where Miss Bourne can burn multiple or all of them. All of them, right? What What I really like about this book and the rest of the series is that Miss Bourne have almost created this elitist empire, and so all the Miss Bourne and Misslings in the world are the high class, mm. right? Yep. And so you you kind of get this dichotomy of the wealthy, the Miss Bourne, or like the the Misslings, mm-hmm. um, and everyone else. And because they have these powers, they're able to suppress the working class. And yep. so this book is about two Mistborns that come out of the working class, which is uh, mis- being a Mistling or a Mistborn is a genetic trait. No no one expects anybody to actually be able to be a Mistborn from the people that have been suppressed. And it's kind of this revolutionary, like, let's overthrow the government type book. Yep. Fantastically done. Going back to the mentor, I just love that relationship. Yes. Because <laughs> there, there are just some parts in that book where you're just like, what what are they doing? Like, so. Yeah. I, I think one, one thing I tell people about that book, he is such a good, like, he's so good at planning. He knows the whole system, the whole story before he starts writing it, right? So you think constantly throughout that book that you have the magic system figured out. And you don't. Not until the very end of the series, I think, really, yeah. do you have the whole ma- – and it, it, it's revealed to you in ways that are that are subtle and so interesting. And I just – I don't know. I, I, I love his magic systems. And that one takes the cake. Yeah. I, I, I do think that is his most interesting magic system. Yep. The, the initial trilogy. And then he wrote a second trilogy, uh, which takes place in more of modern times. Right. Uh, which it just expands on that magic system. And – Almost even how that magic system has evolved. Yeah. 
throughout like you know natural selection right and there are people that can burn two metals absolutely yeah what an interesting concept to develop a magic system and then apply it to two different eras yeah you know like yeah. that that's it's and, it, and it's so well done both both series are, are highly recommended yeah. so okay so my number two my number two is a book I don't think you have read. Yeah, it's called The Eight. No, and that yeah, and that's a book that is very nostalgic for me. It's one of those books where I tell people it's like I don't think critically this is an amazing book, but it's a it's a book that I absolutely love. And it's and so it's a historical fiction. It is told in two parallel timelines. One is 1790 and one is 1970. And so 1790 uh, French Revolution era. Um, so there's a storyline going on in there. And then uh, 1790 in, or 1970 rather in uh, the in the U.S. And there are elements of it plays around the number eight and the repetition of the number eight in in math and in music. Um, so there's the octave, right, and, and repeating uh, musical notes on the eighth note of a scale. There are, and then it plays around with chess also. So eight by eight on a chessboard. And then there are characters that are represented by chess. It is just a fascinating concept of basically larger players on a global scale for global type conflicts like the French Revolution or in, in 1970, more of like a Cold War type thing represented by chess pieces and by by grandmasters kind of like playing these games. Um, so I, I, I really, I re, it's actually one of the only historical fiction books that I've really gotten into, but I, I really, really enjoy that book. It sounds like everything... You would like, yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Roll up into one, music, right? Magic, chess. music, chess, right? Uh, that that's awesome. Yeah, I, I will definitely check that out. That's one that I have the actual physical book, so you might you might have to read that one physically, <laughs> or just I don't know. We how have do, like how many credits unused on Audible? We could probably just buy yeah. it. How how does that work? Like, <laughs> yeah, where, where do I, I put my headphones? I just, where do I plug my headphones? <laughs> <in>? <laughs> oh, no, that that's awesome. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. Yeah, number two for me um, is Ender's Shadow. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Ender Shadow is, I, w I wouldn't even call it a sequel to the more famous Ender's Game. Mm -hmm. So, Ender's Game um, is one of those sci-fi novels that is kind of like the sci-fi novel. Right. 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 Like, I was required to read that in school. Yeah, yep. exactly. And it is a great book about, you know, um, this kid who is identified to be the next great military leader mm -hmm. and he is going to lead earth into defeating the alien race of the formic right right and this is the third formic war so this is this is not new to um earth fighting these alien race right but um what they've done is they've taken children and they've identified children through a very interesting mm -hmm. selection process which i'll kind of leave out because i it's very early in the book but i think it's kind of interesting yeah. weird yeah they take them to this flight school mm -hmm. and train them and like the training system is fantastic it's really interesting where you know they're floating around in zero gravity and ender comes up with ender is the main character of the book comes up with all of these strategies to win but <laughs> i love ender's game but ender's shadow is told from the perspective of bean who is this little kid he's kind of like this interesting like enigma almost like he's he's like right you know, right. he's the next Ender is what people say. Right. Um, yeah. And I would I would comment that it's important that Ender's game is told almost exclusively from Ender's perspective. Yes. yes. And in Ender's game, you see what the world kind of sees. Mm -hmm. And with Ender's shadow, you see the background of everything that is taking place in order to let Ender succeed. Right. One, I think that's an incredibly, like, unique concept. Oh, absolutely. Just tell the story again. Yep. And two... There are so many things that 
you take for granted in Ender's Game, mm-hmm. or you are going through Ender's Game, and when you read Ender's Shadow, you're just like, oh my goodness. Right. I did, like, wow. Yeah, like, I wow. didn't realize that was happening that yeah. way. Yeah. And I mean, it just, like, opens up this whole other side of Ender's Game. You have to read Ender's Game first, yep. then Ender's Shadow, and you, oh, it's just, it's, I think it's the most beautiful pairing of a book I've ever seen. Yeah, I would, I would, it's like, it, it would feel like if you got to reread Lord of the Rings, but told from like Gandalf's perspective or something like that, where he's this character that's like kind of coming and going in different... I want that. Yeah, I want <laughs> it so bad, right? And, and you would be like fascinated, even though you know how the story ends, you're getting to see this whole new perspective. So I absolutely agree. Yeah. Ender's, Ender's Shadow is phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my number one, I don't... I don't know if you've I don't know if you've read this book either. It's called Ender's Game. Oh. <laughs> oh no. So uh. Ender's Ender's Game is absolutely my favorite book. And I feel like we just went through talking about it a whole bunch. So I don't want to reiterate too much. Um, but it is a it is the book I have read the most. I think I'm at nine reads now. <laughs> which is probably a little obsessive. I think I'm only at four. So Okay. All right. We'll keep up, buddy. So <laughs> I think uh, growing up, I did a lot of, a, as an introvert and also as someone who was homeschooled, I did a lot of learning about, you know, who I wanted to be, about social strategies and that sort of thing from reading because um, as someone who was homeschooled, I didn't have a lot of social interaction until I was in high school. And the way that Ender thinks in that book, because it's told from that first person perspective, is absolutely fascinating to me. And he goes through, um, there's there's some scenes, there's like there's like three or four scenes in that book um, where he sa- he says one thing, it, it'll just be like a sentence that has Im- significantly impacted the way that I think of s- both strategy games, like like actual strategy, because um, some of them are like happening in the war game type scenes, and also just leadership in general. Um, and I don't really know of a book that has impacted me in that way, where where a character, where concepts that they are exploring, that they're that they're working through, their interactions with other characters, have actually impacted the way that I think about my relationships with other people and the way that I approach like strategy and tactics and that sort of thing. So I think that that like it's the only book that has significantly impacted me in life. So that's absolutely my favorite. Wow, that is a way better description of why it's your number one book than my number one book. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and say that. Okay, so other than being our ender. Who is your favorite character in the Ender series? Mm. I know I'm kind of cheating. It's not my week to ask a question, but I'm going to do that it. That is anyways. such a good question, though. That is such a good question. Um, I think it is. I think it's a lie, and so a lie is. And there's a couple different ways to pronounce that. I think, but that's the, kind of the way that I've come to know it. He's kind of um, alongside Bean. He's kind of Ender's other really good friend um, in in the book, and he has really great support and he has and and he has really he's he's basically one of the only characters that cares about ender's emotional state and so he he comes alongside and he he's the one who actually asks him the person the personal emotional questions and he's the one that makes ender kind of human and so i i like that in in that it recognizes in the book the emotional toll that the uh, stresses are taking on Ender, and then also just the fact that even though Ender is this like incredible genius of a character, he still needs someone who he can just like come to and cry, kind of thing. Yeah. And a lie like provides that. I don't know if mine's controversial. I like Valentine. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So this is Ender's sister, mm-hmm. and I like Valentine mainly because I like the story of what's going on on Earth during the time that Ender's in yep. flight school. Valentine is the compassionate sister, yep. and is dealing with kind of the unpassionate brother not yep. ender ender's older brother mm-hmm. um and 
it, it's just an interesting to kind of see that perspective and also kind of see how much she cares for Ender. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I think that that's a very interesting supporting character, mainly because it gives you the other side of the story. For sure. For sure. So both of those books, by the way, Orson Scott Card is the author. If, oh, you're, yeah. if you end up looking for those, definitely start with those two. There are a lot more in the series. They get way more sci-fi. So yeah. like you get out there in the sci-fi world if you read really either down either path. If you read The Path That Follows Ender, that's the very, very, very sci-fi one. If you read The Path That Follows Bean, that's more of like a political kind of military game one. Both are good, but they are they they don't come to the level that Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow do. I don't think... It- really any sci-fi book can yeah probably not so ender's arc or bean's arc ah oh, another hard one i think ender's arc and maybe really? i'm maybe i'm just in ender's camp you know maybe yeah. i just like i come alongside him a little bit but ender's arc introduces a couple of really interesting like sci-fi concepts for races that we don't want to get like too much into from a spoiler perspective um and then it also introduces a character named jane who is also really interesting and can has some really interesting and fun like sci-fi applications um so i i would i would kind of say that they are it's sort of like that popcorn sci-fi where it's like again not highly critically acclaimed but really just kind of fun to read so i i i think that i find that application more fun than the kind of like political games that are in bean's arc um that that kind of falls more into my wheelhouse but either one can probably work yeah for the exact same reasons you explained, my favorite's Beans Arc. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. there is that. Uh, they're and both great. They're they both are both great. great, and I will say they're developing a pre or he is developing a prequel series that so far has been really good and actually might yes. might actually inch out over either arc. I, I yeah. really haven't enjoyed the prequel series, so we'll see how it kind of wraps up. I haven't read the last book. I don't think the last book is out yet. Yeah, but so my number one. Yep. Same series of something that Dalton referenced earlier. But it's book two yeah. of the King Killer Chronicles. It it's the wise man's fear. <sighs> I think I, I I think I voiced my opinion when he, he talked about the name of the wind, which is the first book in the King Killer Chronicles, how amazing this book is. I I have not sat through a book more where I've just been like, Can I like listen to this on half speed? Like I just don't yep. want this to end. And I, I did that a lot as a kid, but now as like a grown adult out in like the real world there mm-hmm. aren't that there are a lot of books that i'm like i, I really enjoy this book i want to listen to it or read it where that one is like i do not want this book to end like do not let this end for me yes um, <laughs> and so book two kind of goes more into depth of kind of the backstory as kavoth is growing up one of the, one of the things that i really like which maybe we'll do in another episode which is a little bit more of people who are more familiar with the books is the seven words to make a woman lover yep um yep. which it's just a reoccurring theme that is oh my gosh it's a, so well done it, it is a yeah it is a literary genius it is literary genius yeah, yeah. and so um the writing style the storytelling style the way that is told from that narrator perspective where you know he's safe mm-hmm. you know he is safe and yet i'm just like and is yet he, is he gonna get out of this is, yes. is he okay like so yes. the wise man's fear the second book of the king killer chronicles is just i that that's my number one yeah yeah, so kind of a similar question then. I guess who would be your favorite non-Kavoth character in that book? Uh, Basque. Basque. Yeah, just because – so Basque is like – He's introduced like right at the beginning. He's introduced right at the beginning, and we are two-thirds of the way through the book, and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he is undying loyalty to Kavoth. Yes. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. He's interesting, 
And I think that's all I want to say. Yeah. Right? Basque has an has an evolving story. Yes. And Absolutely. I am I think he's my favorite character outside of Kavoth, mainly because I want to know who he is and what he brings to the story and why he loves Kavoth so much. Yes. So Basque. Yep. You? This is a question that I thought a lot about. It would it would be Ari for me. Okay. Yeah. Um so Ari got her own sort of spin off book. Um she is sort of an exploration in mental health a little bit. She she's a little bit off. And the the spin off book, for instance, um, this is I I don't believe this is too much of a spoiler. It it just kind of it'll it'll elaborate a little bit on the power of her character. Has a has a whole chapter where it opens up and you, you sort of turn the page and the next page is almost blank and it just says, Ari cried. And that's the whole chapter. And and that is sort of the power of her character. And she's she's a little bit off balance, but she has this really interesting relationship with Kavoth, the main character. And she's another one sort of like Basque where the relationship's still kind of evolving. We're still kind of seeing where it's going to go and why she's a part of the story. Um, but in terms of, again, don't want to get too much into the magic system of that book, but we know that Ari can do some things that other people can't. And yeah. so that's another thing that we're kind of interested to see where that goes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Ari, Ari is very interesting. So is the magic system. The magic system, I wish we could say more right now. Yes. But... Part of the reason we can't say more is because we don't know. <laughs> We're waiting to see. I will reiterate. I wish we could say more right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you listening, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Ari is fantastic. So you've heard the top five mm-hmm. uh, from both Dalton and I. Um, so we want to hear yours. So if you can reach out to us at, on Twitter at, at and some flights. Or Instagram, you can contact us on there. Or you can go to our website, www.fantasyandsomeflights.com. We love to hear from you. And if you have a favorite mentor character, yep. let us know. Because we this is the stuff that we love to dive into and explore and hear from you guys. So yeah, I think you, we'll get a lot of variability here in the books, more so than we would in the board games. And absolutely. that's one of the things that's so cool about... Even just like you dive into just fantasy books, I think there are probably more fantasy books than like playable board games. Oh, you know, oh yes, by yes. themselves. And so and the genre is enormous. We'd love to hear kind of what is important to you and what you guys find it fun and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have any of that, just let us know. Tweet at us. Send us a message. We love to hear from you. So, cheers. 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 cheers.